I'm uh, at the foot of the ladder. The limb footbeds are only uh, uh, depressed in the surface about uh, one or two inches, although the surface appears to be uh, very, very fine-grained as you get close to it. It's almost like a powder. Ground mass uh, is very fine. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. So yeah, my degree is technically aeronautical engineering, and then I took the space track. So I took uh, courses relating to space and stuff. Um, and then within that, I personally focused on orbital mechanics. So that is, you know, putting things into orbits, going between orbits, orbit determination. Um, just because in space, you know, we, we watch, again, like sci-fi stuff, it's like, okay, I'm at Earth, and then I'll just fly to Mars. And it's really simple. I just, you know, aim at Mars and go there. Um, but that's not really how it works. It's more of a... You gotta... So first of all, Earth is not stationary. Mars is not stationary. So aiming at Mars is already hard. Second of all, you can't do straight lines. You're not allowed to. Like, you would have to be really hauling ass if you want to move in a straight line. Even light doesn't go in a straight line when you get to some extreme gravity situations, which we don't really deal with. But the, just to show you, even if you're hauling ass at the maximum ass hauling at the speed of light, you're not going in a straight line. That's not an option. So you, you end up following the curves of space. So you have to figure out, okay, I'm here. What curve gets me to Mars when Mars is at the place that I'll be aiming at? So you got to time it. Then there's multiple correct answers. You, so there's the fastest way to do it, the most straight liniest way to do it. But, you know, generally we don't do that because it uses a lot of fuel. So then it's like, okay, how, what's the lowest fuel way to do it? And there are a couple different uh, options. There's like what we call a Holman transfer, which is kind of like what you use a lot. Basically you draw a little ellipse from, from your orbit to the other orbit. That's like a common thing. Uh, but then you can get a little creative. You can do, you, sometimes it's actually less fuel to launch yourself past the planet or the whatever you're going to and then come back because of weird stuff. Maybe you're changing inclination. Yeah. I don't know how much jargon you want in this. Are we trying to get jargony? There seems to be no difficulty in moving around as, as we suspected. Uh... It's even perhaps easier than the simulations of 16G that uh, we performed uh, in various simulations on the ground. Absolutely no trouble to uh, walk around. You have all this shit, mostly hydrogen, in the start of the solar system, and it's all spinning. So because it's spinning, it's spread outward like this in the same plane it's all like when things when things spin that kind of keeps them in the same place 
like uh, have you heard of gyroscopes so if you spin a gyroscope it'll keep spinning the exact same way even as the earth rotates underneath it it'll stay the same way because that's spinning stuff likes to be itself gyroscopic stability and it's super useful on spaceships too because when you're out in space and you look around and shit and everything's going in different directions and you don't know what's going on if you have a gyroscope on your spaceship you could be like okay this direction hasn't changed we don't use like north south east west um you basically set up what's called a coordinate system and this is really common in most like stem fields is your coordinate system just to ground yourself pretty much so you'll you'll say like x is that way y is upward z is this way so you set up three directions that are all perpendicular to each other don't move them and then everything else is somewhere relative to that so if I'm over here, I'm at the point one, zero, zero. Because I'm along the X, I went one, I didn't move the other two directions. So it's super important, and we do that in space and in engineering all the time. In space, because you, everything's moving, it's hard to figure out what those cardinal directions are. You might use a gyroscope and be like, okay, gyroscope points this way. This way is our gyroscope, and we don't have to change it. You might have three gyroscopes, giving you each direction. Uh, and sometimes we look at the stars because they're really far away so they're kind of not moving enough for us to get by like uh the uh zodiac signs like those are stars that are pointing the same direction so the funny thing is because they aren't they are moving a little bit because zodiacs were pretty much made like thousands of years ago they are totally wrong now like Cancer is not above you when you're born in June or whatever it is, I don't know. But for a couple of weeks, you're good to go. Neil, uh, this is Houston. We're getting a picture. You're not in at the present time. We can see the bag on the LED being moved by Buzz, though. Here you come into our field of view. Something we look at is called launch windows. So every four-ish years, Earth and Mars are on like the same side. So like, like Earth would be here, Mars would be here, as opposed to Earth being here, Mars down here. So generally we do Martian missions whenever they're close-ish. Or you do it a little bit before Mars and Earth are lined up, so when you send it, they meet. You do full send it. There, there's some serious sense going on. But it's really, so that's a launch window. And then you also want to make sure that it's a time of day when the, your launch point, like your station on Earth, is aimed outward or wherever, like because the Earth rotates, you want to be facing where you want to be going. Um, and then fuels, we generally use the same stuff. Uh, I don't know the fuel there's like a there's one we used to use with like fluoride in it which was bad but like fluorine in the atmosphere and we didn't like it so we don't use it as much but there's something called the rocket equation uh and it it comes down to the fact that whenever you launch things into space you're you're going up because you are shooting fuel downward you see all that gas and it and all that stuff coming out the bottom and the fire that's you pushing fuel down. Equal and opposite reaction. So when you push the fuel down, you go up. But 
because we're going into space, there's no air, there's nothing up there. So all your fuel has to be on your ship. So when you start to launch, you are holding all the fuel you're gonna have. So you're really heavy. And as you keep going, you're getting lighter as more fuel comes out the bottom. So that's kind of nice, but because we have to hold all this fuel, it ends up being like really limiting. There's, there's a natural log in there. I don't know if you know natural logs, but basically if I have a graph like this, like X and Y, it does this kind of thing where at first it's pretty good, but then it flattens out a little bit. It doesn't, doesn't go up as much. So you need so much more fuel to move a little bit higher up because you have to go way over here. And then there are also some neato stuff they're working on to get past that. Really, if you're trying to get out of the atmosphere, you're probably gonna need a chemical based uh, rocket engine that is something like this. But then they're experimenting with weird shit. Um, so you can have solar sails, which is just a big old, basically like really reflective surface area. And, and it's a sail. So you can go away from the sun because the sun's always pushing out, you know, uh, different bits, electrons and charged particles. They hit your sail, bounce off, and that pushes you. And it's really, it's really slow, but it's, this is the only way to not be carrying fuel. So you get to be really light. And it, it can actually go outside the solar system because the sun's always there. It's just, it gets weaker and weaker, but you keep your speed. So whatever speed I got up to when I was near the sun, I'm still going that fast. And every time I, like, it just keeps speeding up. It never slows down. It's a very simple matter to hop down from one step to the next. Yeah, that might be very comfortable, and, uh, and walking is also very comfortable. And then you can do some really weird stuff with, with gravity, because there are all these other planets and things, so... Like, have you heard of gravity-assisted? Or gravity-assisted stuff? Okay, so this is cool. This is like you slingshot around another planet. Maybe if you're like slingshotting. Yeah, and it, it's correct enough. You could say that, people know what you're talking about. But like, basically you can totally do that. You whip around another planet or whip around a moon or whatever, and it speeds you up. But you can also do that to slow down. So like for my um, capstone project, I did uh, the gravity assisted braking so, so we were going, we we're sending a ship to Jupiter and we went in, we're, you're going too fast because you have to go really fast. So I'm getting to Jupiter, I'm going too fast. I won't be able to orbit Jupiter. I'm just going to whip past it. So you can do a thing where you come in, here's my spaceship, I'm coming in. And then here's the moon of Jupiter also moving forward because it's orbiting Jupiter. So I come in like this and then whip and now I'm going a lot slower. So you can, you can do a lot of crazy stuff. It's just really hard to time it. And it's, it's just, you have to wait till everything's in the right position. So sometimes, sometimes you have to wait several years before things line up. Neil, this is Houston, that's affirmative. We're getting a new picture. You can tell it's a longer focal length lens. And for your information, all LEM systems are go, over. For your information, all LEM. 
I think the coolest thing is how big it is. Like, everyone's like, yeah, space is big, obviously, but it's bigger than that. Like, if you, there's just, it's just, there's nothing there. It's so freaking big. You're never gonna see anything unless you aim at it. And even then you're probably gonna miss. It's, we did, uh, I've done this thing with kids where we set up um, little toy uh, planets and we're like, okay, here's the sun, space them out for how far away you think they are if it's all scaled down. And so like we put stuff, we put the sun here and they space thing out. And for the early solar system, they're kind of close. They're like Mercury's close and then Venus is like right over there and then Earth. But once you get past the asteroid belt, which is between Mars and Jupiter, it's just so far away. Like we would end up, you know, you put down that stuff and then you walk a pretty good ways and then you put down Jupiter and then you double it, double the whole distance and then you're putting down you know, Saturn. And then we, we were all the way down this hallway and putting down like Uranus. It's just so, it's so far away. It's insane. Okay, that looks good, Neil. It's too small. We have a lot of other stuff as big as Pluto. So it's a dwarf planet. It's too small, which everyone's like, oh, whatever, like short kings, shut up. But the things here, the things that people don't hear about why Pluto's bad, not bad, just not a planet. Um, and I think it would be more convincing is one is its orbit goes, it's very elliptical. So most plants have very close to circular orbits. Pluto goes out past Neptune. And then when it comes back, it actually gets closer to the sun than Neptune is. So it's, it's kind of like hopscotching over Neptune's orbit. Which, you know, it's a little weird, but some people look past it. And then the other thing is, it isn't even like its moon is almost as big as it there so they its moon doesn't orbit it both of them orbit a point in space when they go around it like that which is weird that that that's something that i think can be like okay that's not planet that's weird but another thing is if you make pluto a planet there is like four other things that are have to be planets if Pluto's a planet that fit that definition just as good as Pluto does. There's, I want to call it, it's like Ciri or Circe or something. Some some big thing, a dwarf planet in the asteroid belt region that's kind of like, it's like Pluto. And then there's uh, like two more out far away, similar to how Pluto's way out there, um, where it's like, they're, they do all the same stuff Pluto does, but they're, they're too small. They don't, uh, they aren't the main gravitational influence in their region of space. Roger, we see Buzz going about his work. How's that for a final, uh, for a final orientation, we'd like it to come left about uh, five degrees over. Many of the problems we face on Earth can be solved by things in space. There's a, I'm going to get the three-part answer. Many problems, if you're just like, I care about what's going on right now, you can solve a lot of problems on Earth by stuff in space because it's infinite. So if you have too many people, overpopulation, send them to Mars or whatever. Uh, just Earth is mostly water, so if you need more land, 
you know, we're everything here is finite. So we have to, you have to go to space if you want to fix stuff like that. Um, number two is just, it's, it's a place that requires a lot of advancements in technology to work with. So by working on projects to go to space, you end up with new technology that helps other stuff. So like solar panels, they, they're great for Earth, you know, produce electricity, but they were kind of designed because that's the only way to make energy in space. Um, Velcro, I don't think actually was made in space, but like that, that's kind of an example. But so whenever you put humans in situations where they have to make new things and think really hard, they're gonna fucking knock it out of the park and bring all that shit back and make your life way better. And then the last thing is, and I think this is really important, as a species, what else are we gonna do? Let's just go to space. I mean, you know, we hung out here, we can explore the oceans, that's a good one. People are always like, let's finish exploring the oceans. Sure, go ahead, but you're gonna run out. Let's explore the oceans. You're gonna finish. That's Going to space is the only thing you can't finish. So let's do that. These smaller episodes are brought to you by my patrons on Patreon. They allow me to do like little projects like this and interview people that I wouldn't necessarily interview um, in different contexts and get them to talk about the things that they love. So once again, a huge thank you to Brianna Jones, Samantha M. Murray and Book Sherpa.